Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. <laughs> We're starting a new series today, and, and I told you last week, you don't want to miss this week. And we are here, and I'm excited. And I can tell you, the things we're going to be talking about today are things that we've been talking about behind the scenes for months and months, and really well over a year. Uh, and so um, I'm excited about what God is doing. We're starting a series this week called Imagine, and we're gonna, it's going to take us through the whole month of October. But what we're doing is unpacking God's vision for the summit over the next, two, uh, next couple of years. And what does that look like for us? And let me start with a passage of Scripture. Um, and this is our touchstone for each week. This is kind of the, the, the verse that's kind of driving this thing. But it's Ephesians 3.20. And from the message version, it says, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God that's not limited by anything that we can think of. He's not limited by um, the government. He's not limited by his resources. He's not limited by anything. He can do more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. Uh, I can tell you God has answered those prayers of my life. Um, I prayed for a godly wife, and he didn't just give me a godly wife. He gave me a beautiful godly wife. And God exceeded my expectations, and we see this in our lives over and over and over again. And I believe that God is about to exceed our wildest expectations and dreams and everything that we could imagine. Over the course of the last year and a half, we've seen God at work. In the spring of 2014, uh, the leadership came together not long after I came, and we began to talk about the future of the church, and what does that look like, and what has God got for us, and, and what do we feel like God is speaking to us to do? About a year ago then, uh, th that process became a little more uh, substantive. We began to explore some things and explore options, and, and, and what maybe God was speaking to us. We began consulting with, uh, with outside church consultants, with uh, architects, with engineers and professionals just to help us get a better grasp on what we should be doing. And then about eight months ago, our staff sat down. We locked ourselves in a room, and for about eight hours, we walked through the vision for the church and the summit. And we've been talking about it uh, some, but the vision of the summit, let me just make this very clear, is every life made different. Um, if, if that is not clear to you, I want to make that very clear. Our vision is to see every life made different. Every person that walks through our doors, every person we encounter at the grocery store, every person you run into at, at the gas station, we want their lives to be changed by the power of God at work through this church. Not, and the church is not a building, the church is you. So we want to see the church transform our community and see every life made different. Now please understand um, I am somebody, I want to move faster and go bigger, and I'm just, I, I kind of tend to be aggressive. But I can tell you, we didn't move as quickly as I had originally thought, because this is all about God's timing. Uh, I'm thankful that God's timing and our timing are not the same, because I would have done some really stupid things in my life in the past if, if I had had my own agenda, if I had had my own plan. But I'm thankful that sometimes God will slow us down and God will say, no, 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 now's not the right time. But I can tell you, now is the right time that we are moving forward and that we're beginning to see God do something incredible in our church. You know, what God is doing here is similar to what you see in Scripture. In Acts chapter 1, um, Jesus is ascending into heaven and, and he has this, 
this conversation with his disciples. There's a group of his disciples, not just his 12, but this bigger group of disciples that are, that are witnessing his ascension. And this is what he says in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is basically their mission statement, their vision statement. He's saying, hey, guess what? I'm going, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses here and in this region and in this world. And you're going to set this place on fire. You're going to do incredible things. So go wait for the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit shows up, then it's going to be incredible. So they have this, this statement of what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to live. And, and what we see is devotion to Jesus aligns vision. These people were all devoted to Jesus. They were all followers of Jesus. And Jesus gives them this, this important statement. Hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they go, okay, you know what? Let's do that. Um, they were different people with different ideas, but that devotion to Jesus aligned their vision, and they said, you know what, we need to be doing the same thing. There are churches all over Indiana that do things differently, and there are great churches. I'm thankful for, um, for Greystone, and Rick Hurley's awesome. I love that guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tear up talking about other churches in town. I'm sorry. Um, I love Amplified Church, man. They're doing some cool things. They're reaching lots of people now. They're doing some great things over, over on um, Philadelphia Street. Um, Saving Grace, man, those pastors have been so welcoming and loving, and, and we're seeing God do great things there. And I'm thankful that all of us do things a little differently. And there's nothing wrong with doing things differently. But there's something that unites us all, and that's our vision to see people's lives transformed. So even though they're different churches and they do things fun and function a little differently, their style might be different. The truth is that our vision is the same. We want to see lives transformed through the power of Jesus Christ, and that aligns us, that brings us together. We see in Acts 2.1, it says, when the day of Pentecost was now come, they were all together in one place. So they went and waited on the Holy Spirit in this room, the followers of Jesus, and it says when they were together in one place, and that word doesn't mean they were sitting in a room together, it means they were united in spirit. That, that vision, that devotion to Jesus united them, and we see that devotion to Jesus produces unity, that when we are devoted to Jesus and our purpose is to follow after him, he will unite us. See, the Bible calls us the body of Christ. It calls us family. It refers to us as brothers and sisters. And I don't know if you know this, but in my family, I don't always get along with my family. Okay, I'm probably different because you and your family, you agree about everything. And you guys love each other perfectly and you never get upset with each other. But in my family, sometimes I disagree with my folks, right? I'm a grown man. I still disagree with my parents sometimes. Or my sister and I might not see eye to eye on something. Or my wife and I might not agree on something perfectly. And I know that's shocking that she would not agree with me, right? Like, come on, what could I be wrong about ever? Um, but there are times that we disagree. But you know what we don't do? We don't say, you're not my family anymore. I'm going to go find another dad because you're wrong and I can't get along with you. No, you say, we disagree, but we are family and that unites us together. So we're going to walk through our junk and figure this out. We're committed to each other in relationship. And this is what we see scripturally. The devotion to Jesus produces unity. That we're going to say, hey, we're different people with different backgrounds and different issues and different problems and different strengths and weaknesses. But we come together because we're devoted to Jesus in unity. So we've talked about the why a little bit. The why is we want to see every life made different. When Jesus said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. He's saying everyone. Go reach everybody. He's not saying a limited group of people. And, and that's our vision. We want to see every life made different. So that's the why. The what is pretty exciting. So let me share the what with you. And I'm not going to tell you about that. I'll come back and unpack it. But I want to show you a video that will share the what that we're going to be doing over the next few years. 
since the very beginning, the Summit Church has focused on seeing every life made different. In the fall of 1948, a group of believers in Indiana County came together and they began to imagine a church that would reach all parts of their city. In the building over there, we had just the basement church first. It wasn't the top part. So we went in there and the whole church congregated in the, in the basement part of it. Until about 52, 53, whenever they got enough money to put the top part on it. So the people that were there and their ability to pray, they had an anointing on them for prayer, public prayer, that was unlike anything I've ever seen. They dreamed a huge, audacious dream that they could do big things for the glory of God. And those dreams and that imagination has turned into the summit that you know today. From my very first experience in the church, there has always been a heart for ministry, always a heart for missions, and that's always been my heart. And that was honestly one of the things that um, drew me deeply into the church and gave me such an affection for this body is their love for community outreach and their love for one another and their love for the, the world. One of the things that happened, one of the words that came forth for the church when we were still on Church Street was that we would be a sending out church, that we would be sending out to the north, the south, the east, and the west. And I see that now coming to fruition in the fact that with the mission trips that are now taking place, with the church planning that's taking place, and I believe this is just the beginning of what God wants to do and what He's going to do. And the only limitation to that what God's going to do is really us. In uh, our early days of involvement, there wasn't a lot of practical community outreach, but there was a mindset where we really had a burden for the community and for the world. And, you know, we came together as a group of very diverse people, and we, we didn't always agree on things, but we shared a common love for God and we shared the common vision that we really believed that this church would be one that would impact both our community and our world. And, there were a lot of people who contributed in just countless hours of prayer and service and giving in order to see us come to the place that we are today. Since then, we've relocated to our current location. We've seen God grow, some numeric growth, some spiritual growth. We've seen thousands of people saved in our church's history, and we're continuing to see lives changed even today. A couple months after uh, attending the summit for the first time, my husband and myself and my sister, we all became members and there was a volunteer sheet and it asked if you wanted to help do anything in the church. So I listed that I had done event planning before. And for such a big church, I feel really important. I don't feel like I'm overlooked or like I'm a, a small part. Um, I love that, I feel like everybody here has a relationship with Pastor Mel and his family and Pastor Dick and Pastor Todd. Um, it's not just about like the numbers and how many people go here, it's really about changing your life. Kim and I joined the summit in January of 2014 as the lead pastor. And when we came, God was already at work and doing some really incredible things behind the scenes. So when we arrived, we were able to tweak a few things and, and add a few things. And since then we've seen God add numeric growth like crazy. We've seen a 50% increase in attendance on the weekend since we arrived. We, we've seen hundreds of people saved through the power of Jesus Christ. And, and I can't take credit for any of that. It is God at work. And the good news is God doesn't stop working at a certain point. He wants to continue to use us and use this church to reach out, not just in Indiana, but beyond, to see people's lives made different. And what that means is simple. 
no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, we want you to be able to come to the summit and see your life changed for the glory of God. Now, we do focus on families. We feel like family is an important aspect of ministry at our church. And you can tell this if you walk through our kids' wing or into our youth center. When you walk through there, you know that we've spent a lot of time and energy uh, trying to attract kids and trying to bring families in and see their lives made different as well. We've been talking about expanding our kids' area for a while. It's a bottleneck that really has prevented our church from growing to its maximum capacity. And I'm excited that we're going to break ground on a brand new student center after the first of this year. We're going to be able to expand our reach. We're going to be able to see more students, more kids come in than ever before. Our new student center is going to be a state-of-the-art 20,000 square foot facility. It's going to house a 250 seat youth auditorium as well as a 150 seat children's auditorium. In addition to this, we're going to have classrooms that are going to facilitate ministry to kids of all ages. We're going to be able to minister to more specific ages than ever before. This facility will allow us to grow our kids, youth, and adult ministry in every aspect of our church. I love the growth that God has brought to the summit, and I think we're going to continue to grow, but at some point, that growth is going to be capped by our facilities. We won't be able to add any more people or add more services to what we're already doing. And the answer to that is to add more churches. So what we've decided to do is over the course of the next few years, we're going to be planting and starting satellite locations for the summit all over Indiana County. What this will allow us to do is twofold. It's going to allow us to take the church to people who wouldn't normally come to us. It's going to allow us to reach people who would never normally drive all the way to Indiana from where they live. So we're going to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people all over Indiana County. The Imagine Initiative is all about helping us dream about the future. A few years ago, I had a dream one night that I was sitting at dinner with Jesus, which is totally normal, and we were sitting at dinner and we were talking, and at the end of the meal, um, Jesus pushed the plates to the side and he said, I can do more than you ask or even imagine. And of course, this is a reference to scripture, but at that moment, I woke up and I realized God's got a really big plan for my life. God's going to do something incredible. And there's been several seasons over the course of my life that I thought this must be what that was about. But I truly believe the season we're walking into at the Summit Church is the season that Jesus was talking about. It's what my dream was all about. That, that God's about to do more than we can even ask or imagine. And that's why we came up with the name Imagine, because we feel like this is the edge of something really incredible. God's about to do something unbelievable, and we get to be part of it. We believe it's time for the Summit to imagine again just like our founders who started a church when it seemed totally implausible to start a church. Just like the folks who decided to, to build this location when it didn't make any rational sense. We believe God wants us to dream a big dream and then allow Him to fill in the gaps. Over the course of the next two years, we're going to be taking everything we have and it's going to be in one fund altogether. So that's going to be our operating expenses, it's going to be the building, it's going to be missions, it's going to be all everything we normally do, all of our normal budget, as well as the funds for our building and for new locations, all of this is going to be in one fund together. We feel like we are one church, we have one vision, so we're going to use one fund to fulfill the vision that God has called us to. The Imagine Initiative is a two-year plan that allows us to continue the incredible ministry we are already doing while allowing us to expand the ministry to help us fulfill the vision that God has put in our heart. Over the next two years, we will need $5 million to make this vision a reality. 
two million is our normal ministry expenses, and the remaining three million will help us achieve our expanded vision. I truly believe the season we're walking into is going to be one of the most exciting times in the history of our church. We're going to see more families come to know Jesus than ever before. We're going to see more lives transformed. We're going to see more people saved than we ever could imagine. And I believe God's going to do it sovereignly. It's not because of me. It's not because of a program. It's not even because of a building. It's because God is working sovereignly through this season. And I'm so excited to be a part of it. We've already seen God do incredible things in the history of this church. Even in the last two years, we've seen God do incredible things, but I truly believe the best is yet to come. And that's why I want to invite you to imagine the possibilities with us. I'm sure you have a million questions. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be answering those. Even today, we're going to answer some of those as well. So um, let me start unpacking a little bit of this with you. One of the things we didn't mention in the video, but one of the things that's really important part of who we are is... Um, let me take a breath. Um, I, asked that, I really thought, thought by now I'd be able to get through this thing without, um, without breaking down, but you guys know me better than I do, apparently. Um, over the next two years, we're going to more than triple what we give to missions. So missions is a huge part of what we do anyway. Over 10% of everything that comes in goes back out to ministry outside of our church. And so over the next two years, we're going to more than triple that. We're going to give away uh, about $600,000 over the next two years to ministries and missions, but we're going to spend about a million dollars. So we're going to spend money locally, nationally to send people on mission trips to help teams get places to see things happen, but about a million dollars is going to be spent over the next two years to reach people outside of our church that don't normally come to the Summit Church. That is really exciting for me. I had somebody tell me recently, they said, Mel, I've, been, I've seen things like this happen in other churches, and a lot of times they will shrink back in their giving, so they stop giving so they can pay for stuff. And I said, but the thing is, our vision is not about a building. Our vision is to see every life made different. And so if, if that's the vision, why in the world would we stop giving to missions? So not only are we going to not stop giving, we're going to actually increase what we give and give even more. So about 20% of our income over the next two years is going to be spent outside of our church. Um, a couple of things real quickly that that's going to do. We've already committed $40,000 to Seeds of Faith. It's a local uh, private school, Christian private school here in town. They're trying to relocate and build a building, and, and we want to help them do that. So we've already committed $40,000 to that. Uh, we are, I've got to be diplomatic how I say this because I don't want to get anybody in trouble. We've got some partners, an organizational partner in Thessaloniki, Greece, that we would like to partner with and help. One of the things they do is they build relationships with young adults and college students in Thessaloniki, and they're not allowed to preach the gospel. So what they do is they build relationships, and they can share the gospel privately, but they can't preach the gospel. And so what they do is they use this, this coffee shop that they've got in order as, as a tool to, to minister to people and to connect with people. I would love for us to build them another one. They need one. And I would love for the summit to say, I would love for the summit to say, we're going to go build them a coffee shop. We're going to write a check and take care of that for them so that they can reach even more students, so they can connect with more people, so they can do more work and, and, and see God work in incredible ways. Um, one of the things I'm excited about locally is that um, after we get a building built, we're going to have enough space to be able to host a pastor's conference. And this is not going to be a, a normal pastor's conference um, because there are pastor's conferences all over the country. But what I want to do is target bivocational and rural pastors because there are pastors all over 
over this area that pastor 60 or 80 people, and they're struggling week in and week out. They're struggling to work a real full-time job, a 40, 50, 60-hour week job, and still do the ministry in the church. And they're, they're discouraged. They're frustrated. And I want to do a conference that we can host here, that we can bring in hundreds of local pastors and just bless them and encourage them and help them see that, that God's got a plan for them and for their church. And we want to equip them and give them tools and let them hear great speakers from outside and, and bring them in and just encourage them because we feel like this is a way that we can build the kingdom because it's not just about building our church. It's about building God's kingdom. It's about seeing every life made different, not just at the summit, but at churches all across this area. So I'm excited about being able to do that as well. Uh, another aspect of that that we mentioned in the video is that we're going to be starting more churches. Um, the summit has a limited reach. There's only so many people that we can reach. But as we begin to plant and start other churches in other towns, we're going to be able to expand our reach and expand God's reach into communities that desperately need life-giving churches. And so we're going to be starting churches all over the area. We're going to be starting churches far off. We're going to be starting churches locally. And we are going to see more people reached than ever before. We're going to see more lives made different locally than ever before. And so so just to give you an idea, if we plan a church, it's going to be an independent church that's going to be their own thing that we're going to help, we're going to support, it's going to be part of our network, but they're going to be sovereign in, the, in how they act and what they do. But we're going to start multi-site churches in our area, satellites that are going to be part of the summit, they're going to be part of our vision, they're going to be part of our budget, uh, they're going to, the staff at those locations will be part of our staff. Um, they're going to have fantastic kids ministry, just like we do here. They're going to have great worship, just like we do here. And the elements that you see here are going to be the same elements you're going to see at those locations as well. So like I said, we're going to be unpacking what that looks like more in the next few weeks, but just know that our goal is to spread the gospel of Jesus as far as we possibly can, to see every life made different. And the last thing, one of the things from the video that probably caught your eye, is we're going to be building a state-of-the-art children and youth center to meet the needs of our expanding ministries. Uh, the children and youth center, I said in the video it's 20,000 square feet, but I lied. It's only about 19, it's only 19,000 square feet. Um, but there's not going to be anything like that in our region. It's so exciting. There aren't going to be, there's no tools like that for churches anywhere around. And we're going to have an incredible tool to be able to reach kids, um, students, and, and young families. And I'm excited about that. So just to put it in perspective, we're, we're going to add 19,000 square feet that are dedicated to youth and kids. So when that is finished, over half of our facility is going to be dedicated to people under the ages of 18 years old. That's pretty cool. That's pretty exciting. We care about families. We care about family ministry. So let me show you a couple pictures real quick. Um, they'll come up on the screen. But we're going to show you the, the floor plan for the, the first floor. This is going to be the first floor down here. Um, the, what says children's lobby there on the right side of the auditorium is our current kids' wing. So we're going to begin with the kids' building in the back. We're going to build that, and this will start after the first of the year. So re realistically, it's Pennsylvania. Um, so it, it might be the spring before we actually get started. But we feel very confident we're going to be in this building by the end of 2016. So we're not going to wait until maybe momentum change, something happens, things, nothing like that. We're moving forward on this thing after the first of the year. We'll be in it by the end of 2016. But You'll see on the left there, there's a children's worship space. It'll seat up to about 150 kids in that room. Uh, we're going to be able to do live children's worship instead of video kids' worship. We're going to be able to have a live team to do worship in there with them, um, a big space for them to meet in, and then split off into their classrooms. There's classrooms all around. We're going to be able to be age-specific on those classes. Instead of saying kindergarten through second grade together, we're going to be able to have a kindergarten class and be able to have a first grade class and a 
second grade class and so on. There's bathrooms in between those classrooms, so that is exciting for the hall monitors because they won't have to walk kids down to the bathrooms anymore. Um, But this is a secure area, one way in and one way out, as far as for parents to be able to check their kids in and retrieve their kids and bring them out. Right now, we've got four entrances and exits on our kids' wing, and it is just a little bit of a logistical nightmare. So this solves that and helps us with that. Now, after we get that building built, we will come back and demo our kids' wing. So our current kids' wing will become a big lobby. So our lobby will go from our current lobby all the way over to this door on the east side here. It will be a giant lobby. So what that will do, it will, be, it will allow those of you that maybe don't even have kids to be able to find places to mingle with people before and after service. So when we leave here, you're not going to have to be packed into this lobby, but we're going to have spaces that you can break off and sit down and have conversations. We're going to have couches, cafe seating, things like that all along that area. And it's going to be a nice wide corridor for you to walk through. So this is what that will look like on the first floor. Let's go to the second floor. The second floor will be a youth worship center. It'll seat up to about 250 students in there. So just to put it in perspective, um, this worship space that we're going to have for our teenagers will be about the fourth or maybe fifth biggest worship space in our town, and we've got it dedicated for teenagers. And so that's exciting to me. We're going to have a nice large lobby, and it'll connect to our current youth space, which is fantastic already. And all of this will flow together, and uh, it's going to be state-of-the-art video, audio, um, lighting, everything that they need to do what they need to do. Um, They're going to have that equipment available. Go ahead and go to the next slide. This is what the, uh, the elevation looks like, what the exterior shot would look like. Uh, from the outside. So if you're coming along the new parking on the, on the east side, this is the view you would see as you pull up. Now, you will walk out today with a packet, and in that packet, you're going to have some of these pictures. You're going to be able to see them, study them, and, uh, and, and come up with those questions. We'll be able to answer those, walk through that with you. But just know that uh, these are things we've been working on for a long time. These are things that, that we have not done unilaterally. These are things we've gotten lots of insight and feedback from people. We've talked through these things, and we've been working on this well over a year now. And the question that a lot of you might have is, can we afford this? And the simple answer is yes. It's going to be challenging, but it's achievable. It will not be easy. Um, one of the things I felt like God spoke to me whenever I came to the summit is I felt like God spoke to me and said, it will be good, but it will not be easy. And I can tell you that the best things I've experienced in my life have usually been challenging, have usually not come easily. And that's why, quite frankly, churches all over our country um, are in decline because they have chosen to do the easy thing instead of doing the good thing because sometimes the good thing is hard. And the exciting part for us is that doing the hard thing is part of our DNA. When they started the summit in 1948, it was a hard thing to do. There was just a small group of believers that came together to start this church. When they relocated here in 2002, it was a hard thing to do. Um, do, do you know the first Sunday they met in this room, there were 75 people that attended service that day? Little did they know that a few years later, we would have over 1,000 on a weekend. Little did they know that what God was going to do. They believed, they were dreaming, they were hoping, they were believing But God did the miraculous. And was it easy? Absolutely not. Our our pioneers that helped do these things, uh, man, they should be commended because they did a hard thing. Change is never easy. But we have to remember that we, we can change without growing, but we can't grow without changing. No matter what you do in your life, if you want to grow, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, it's going to come with change. Change will happen in your life. If you want to grow in your relationship with your spouse, change is going to happen as you grow. So the question isn't, will we change? The question is, will we grow with that change? Someone asked me, asked me recently if maybe we had grown enough, maybe we had gotten enough people. And my response to them was just a simple question. I said, 
Whose child do we turn away? Whose grandchild do we say no to? Whose neighbor will we tell to go find another church? See, the, the question isn't um, who do we pick to minister to, but the question is, is how do we pick who not to minister to? How do we pick the people that, that we refuse to share the gospel with? And to me, that's not even, that's not even a valid question. Um, we've talked about the, the why. We've talked about the what. Let me talk a little bit about the how. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, the, the church was beginning and starting. They were growing like crazy. We see in Acts 2 that they added 3,000 people to the church in one day. Um, there were house churches meeting all over Jerusalem, hundreds and hundreds of churches meeting that were part of one body, but they were meeting at different locations, and they were having logistical problems and issues and trying to work this stuff out. But it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Now, this is what it says. Now, the full number of those, when it, when it says full number of those, it means everybody, everyone who believed. What did they believe? They believed that Jesus was the Son of God. They believed that Jesus was their Savior. But I believe that it went deeper than that. They didn't just believe that he could save them from hell. I, I truly think they believed that Jesus was the Savior of their marriage and the Savior of their families and the Savior of their kids and the Savior of their grandkids. They believed deeply that Jesus was who he said he was. But they were in one heart and one soul. They were unified because of their devotion to Jesus. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Now, I'm not advocating communism, okay? Let me just make that very clear. I'm not saying we need to go buy a piece of property and go sell everything you got, and we're going to go live in huts together and have a commune. That is not what I'm saying at all. But what we see here is an example of godly generosity. And what we have to know is devotion to Jesus produces generosity. And when our hearts are devoted to Jesus, when we are pursuing God, he begins to shape us and mold us and helps us live more generously. Because the truth is, as Christians, our goal is to look like and resemble Christ. And one of the main things that, the, that Jesus exemplified for us was a generous lifestyle. He never did anything for himself. It was always for others. What we have to know is um, the church is alive, and, and all living things require resources to live. Um, if you plant a tree in your yard, but you don't water it, and you don't nurture it, and you don't take care of it, at some point it will die. Um, it, it, if you have a child and you don't feed that child, you don't take care of that child, you don't nurture it and give it the resources it needs, it will die. So what we have to understand is that living things need resources and the church is alive. Now let me show you something. I mentioned in the video about one fund. And so for some of you, it will not make any difference, but for some of you, it will. So let me, let me try to explain this. In our church, we have different ministries. We've got our youth and kids and women's and um, and. Um, the music and young adults, and we've got all these different ministries that happen in our church. Um, we've got our building that we pay for. We've got all, all these different things. And so most churches have many accounts. And when I first came to the summit, I think we had seven different accounts. And I might be wrong, but I think we had seven. And so what we've done is we've begun shifting that a little bit. So in most churches, you've got an account for kids ministry, an account for youth, and a payroll and building and um, missions and you've got all these different things and then what happens is people in the church say okay I gotta give to this and I need to give to that and I'm giving to this and I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna give a little here too and, and this here and so what happens is things get 
difficult. Things get siloed because then um, you've got some money that's youth ministries, but no, it's not supposed to be, and this is supposed to be over here, and it just gets confusing and watered down. But the truth is, in our church, what we've done is we're saying, hey, we're going to have one fund, one big fund, and this is the fund that's all about seeing every life made different. So the vision of our church is Every life made different, okay? I just made that up, E-L-M-D. And so instead of saying, hey, we're going to give to all these different things, and you can make fun of my arrows later, okay? I get it. Um, But instead of saying, hey, we're going to give to all these different things, and we're going to have all these different things happening, what we're saying now is, hey, we're going to have one fund to fund the vision of this church, because the vision of this church spreads out to everything we do. The vision of this church is every life made different. So that means with missions, our, our goal is to see every life made different here and in Greece and in Ireland and all around the world. We want to see every life made different. Our, our, our vision for the youth ministry is to see every life made different, see people's lives transformed there, teenagers' lives transformed. So it's not something different, it's all the same. Our goal for the women's ministry is to see every life made different. So we've got one vision that takes care of every need in our church. And so instead of saying, hey, we got all these different things, we're, we're doing one thing. We're seeing every life made different. And that's what the One Fund is all about for us. So we've made this shift, we've made this transition to say, hey, it is not about what your favorite ministry is, it's not about um, what your pro- pet project is, but this is about saying, God, our vision as a church is to see every life made different. And so we're going to sow seed into that, and we're going to believe that we're going to see every life made different. Now, this is the part that gets a little bit uncomfortable, so just hang on. We're going to be uncomfortable together, okay? 72% of the people that call the Summit Church home give less than $1,000 a year to the summit. Almost 40% give $0 per year to the summit. Now, please understand, I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated. I'm not upset. I'm not here to heap condemnation on you. I'm not here to squash you. I'm not here to tell you how wrong you are. But what I've realized is we don't have a giving problem in our church. We've got a discipleship problem in our church because stewardship and discipleship are linked whether we like it or not. Because this is not about our money, it's about our hearts. I've told you before, God, God is not after your money, he's after your heart. But the truth is, sometimes the path to our heart leads through our wallet, whether we like that or not. So if you're a little bit uncomfortable today, let me just share this with you. The Bible talks about prayer 371 times. The Bible talks about love 714 times, but it talks about giving 2,162 times. I think maybe God knows that uh, there's something more to this thing than just capturing our wallet and capturing our money. The path to get there, the how is that we want to see everyone take a step in generosity toward the vision. Uh, We want to see every person take a step and say, hey, I want to be a part of this vision. God, what would you speak to me? How would you have me be a part? Now, this is the thing. A lot of times in churches, if you've been in church before, a lot of times you will hear pastors say, you need to start tithing, right? And this is what the Bible says about tithe. You need to start tithing. And the truth is, the Bible is pretty clear about tithe. And some of you would say, well, hey, that's Old Testament. But truthfully, in the Old Testament, it was closer to 22% of your income, not 10%, okay? So uh, we're not going to go Old Testament. But the Bible talks a lot about 10%, but just be at ease. If you're one of the people that have never given anything to the church, I'm not angry. And I'm not even asking you to become a tither right now. What I am asking you to do is take a step. And that first step on the generosity pathway is become a first-time giver. Just give something. Just say, God, I trust you enough to give something. That's it. Become a first-time giver. Maybe you've given before. Maybe you've been here and you've dropped something in the offering box on your way out and you've given before. Again, I'm not asking you to take a step 
to becoming a tither overnight. What I'm asking you to do is, hey, take that next step. Become an occasional giver. Start giving with more regularity. You know, give a second time. Give a third time. Begin to see what God does. Begin to trust God. You know, in the book of Malachi, God actually tells his people, he says, test me in this. So God is, God's not afraid. He says, test me. Try this out. See how this works. And just see if I do what I said I'll do. Because we can trust God. So I want to challenge you. Just take the next step and see what God does as you become an occasional giver. Maybe you give occasionally at the summit. Maybe you give once in a while. That's fantastic. I want to ask you to take the next step. The next step is to become an intentional giver. And what an intentional giver is, is it's somebody who gives less than 10%, but they give intentionally a percentage with regularity. So maybe you give 2% every other week to the summit. That's an intentional giver. The next step is to become a proportional giver. Proportional giver is a tither. There's somebody that gives 10% of their income. Everything that comes in, they're given 10% of that. If you've been down here, if you've been an intentional giver, maybe you've been given a percentage for a while, I want to challenge you. Take the next step and just see what God will do in your life because it's amazing how God can bless you. And the final step is an extravagant giver. An extravagant giver does not care about 10%. They want to bless, they want to help, they want to give. That 10% is just a number. They, they, they give as much as they can, however they can, and they love giving. And so this is the thing. I, I want to I help you understand this. My wife and I have lived in this area our whole lives, and we have never, ever, ever, ever gone without. God has always taken care of us and blessed us. God has always come through when we trust him and believe him and put him first. He has always taken care of us. And I know that there are people in this place that feel the exact same way, that they've lived that out and they've seen God work. And so what we're asking people to do is just take a step because this bottom rung represents financial bondage. It represents um, living in fear about your finances your whole life. This up here represents financial freedom. When we can begin to live extravagantly as a giver and say, God, I trust you. I'm going to live with an open hand instead of a tight fist. God can work in incredible ways, and it is liberating. It's freeing. It's financially freeing. So I want to challenge you to, to think this way and pray, God, what do you have me, what would you have me do? What is my next step, and what does that look like for us? See, if you're frustrated today, about the how. Maybe you're frustrated that we've been talking about the finances. Maybe you're frustrated with some of the things we talked about and the what. That's okay. Remember the why. The why behind this thing is we want to see every life made different. The vision for this church is not a building. The vision for this church is to see every life made different. This building that we're going to do is just a means to an end. This building, we're going to see Tons of teenagers, tons of kids come to know Jesus because of that. We're going to see families come here because this building is great. And they're going to show up and, and families are going to come to know Jesus. Parents, moms and dads and grandparents are going to come to know Jesus because what God is doing here. It's not about a building. It's about seeing every life made different. I need you to come to my house so that when I'm talking with my wife, she can, you know, you can encourage me. That's right, Mel. That's right. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come. If we were translating that here today, and Jesus was saying the same thing to us, he would be saying, you will be my witnesses in Indiana, in Indiana County, in western Pennsylvania, the United States, and the world. That's his vision for us. His vision for us is not just to have a big fancy church. His vision for us is to see every life made different, to see people transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. 
That's what I want to do. That's what I want to see. And the incredible thing is we get to be a part of it. He's trusting us to be a part of this incredible vision to reach people, to see lives change and transform, to see people grow in their faith like never before. And I am so excited. I hope you are too. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I'm so grateful for your goodness and your grace in our lives. I pray your blessing on us, God, as we pray together. God, I pray that you just let your Holy Spirit move in us. God, I pray for unity in our hearts. God, I pray for a unified vision, Father. I pray that you would help us see what our part is. No, Lord, not just in giving, but Lord, in giving our time and giving our talents, Lord, in serving and being a part of this incredible vision you have for us. So God, I pray that you would just take us today and use us for your glory. Now, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you, I know this was not a very evangelistic kind of message, but if you're here today and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to. I want to make him Lord of my life today. If that's you, would you just put your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life, I want to make that change, and I want to let him in, would you just slip your hand up and let me pray for you where you are? Thank you. Over here on my left. That's awesome. Who else says that's me? Pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Thank you so much, sir. You can put your hand down. That's awesome. A couple of people. Who else will join these two and say, that's me. Pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Okay. I'd like every person in this place to repeat this prayer. Thank you. Up here on my left. Another hand. Fantastic. I want every person in this place to repeat this prayer after me, whether you raised your hand or not. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving all so that I could enjoy life so that I can know you. Forgive me, wash me, and make me whole. You are Lord of my life, and I choose to follow you. I'm never going back to my old ways, my old thinking, or my old life. I am yours, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause for three people? Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you raised your hand, your next step is this. Take this card out of the seat back in front of you. Fill this card out and then drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. We want to help you take the next step and become a disciple and start growing in your faith and growing in your walk with Christ. So please fill this out. In just a moment, guys, um, as we're dismissed today, you're going to get a bag as you walk out the door. One per family. So um, if you got five people in your family, you don't need five. You just need one for your family. I'm going to walk through in just a moment what that is, and then we'll be going to be dismissed. But let's sing one more song together. Let's pray together. Our prayer team's going to be on either side of the stage. If you need prayer, come find us. And then we're going to be dismissed here in just a moment. So let's stand to your feet all over the room. Let's worship together one more time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.